So we've been uh, continuing our uh, course, core values series. Um, we have core values here at New Life City. Number one, we believe in the presence of God. We believe that God's presence is the number one priority in our lives and in our church. We value God's presence. We value his kingdom. We believe that you can have an encounter with God and be an encounter. We don't necessarily just think it's all a feeling. We actually believe it's faith. It's not by what you feel that you experience these things, uh, but it is by faith. We're called believers, not feelers, right? So. Um, Although it's very uh, awesome because God does uh, give us the ability to experience his presence, but you don't, you don't have to. You, you do it by faith. You believe that he's with you. And, um, and, so, uh, and then there's times where you'll feel his peace, his love, his joy. You feel Holy Ghost goosebumps. How many know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> where you're like, whoa, God's presence is here. Uh, it's just a, a wonderful core value that we have, and we preached on that for um, the first half of the year. And then God uh, has brought us to prayer. Prayer is our other core uh, value. We believe that prayer is important, that we wanna be a church that is a culture of prayer, and we wanna be a church that, has a, that, that have people who have a personal, active, strong prayer life in their personal life, in their family, in our church, in our community. And, um, and I believe that prayer is powerful. We believe that prayer changes things. We believe God hears our prayers. And so, you know, I know every week I actually am praying to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, should we go on to transformation? Like, can we go on to this next bit? And, and I'm just like, no, I'm gonna stay here. It's like another week talking about prayer. How much more can you get out of this topic? And it's like, well, I think it's that important until it becomes a part of who we are, until it becomes something that you're finally convinced that you cannot let go of a life of prayer. You cannot just expect things to change in your life, living your life the same way every day, but prayer is actually essential to who you are as a person. And, and, and so today I wanna talk about how prayer is spiritual warfare. Prayer is spiritual warfare. I think sometimes uh, we don't realize, uh, sometimes it's just, we, we find prayer so hard because prayer is actually warfare. That there's a physical and a spiritual aspect to prayer that we often overlook. E.M. Bounds, who I've quoted several times, a wonderful man of prayer, wrote several books on prayer, has this quote. He says, spiritual work is taxing work, and men, in, and men are loath to do it. Praying, true praying, costs an outlay, an outlay of serious attention and of time, which flesh and blood do not relish. So true. You can tell he's from an old school day because he says relish. <laughs> All right, Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Yes, I'm weird, I'm sorry. And the filter is just, but the word's still powerful. <coughs> Went down the wrong pipe. <coughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Hmm. Oh, geez, that's the worst. I told you we were informal. Okay, let's go to um, Matthew 26, uh, 36 through 46. Pull it up here. It says, then Jesus went with them for, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. 
And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And, so, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Thank you, Jesus, for following the Lord, following the Father. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. What a powerful story. There's so many things that we could highlight within this text, uh, this biblical text of Jesus with his three disciples, this three inner core disciples. These disciples were uh, not just the uh, uh, 12, but they were actually in his inner circle. They were, they were the 12, but they were also the three. And these were the three, uh, Peter, James, and John, that went up with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw him transformed. They, 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 they worshiped him up there. They saw the glory that was upon Jesus. They, they, just like the other disciples, they witnessed Jesus casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. This is, the, this is uh, Jesus who they abandoned everything for for three years and followed him uh, without any uh, hesitation, have been following Jesus. And um, there's this weird moment where he really needs them. He's actually asking them to stand strong with him, to support him, to pray with him, to watch, to, to be there for him. And, you know, they can't fight the sleep that is coming upon them. And I, I feel for these disciples because I've been in this position. But Jesus, is, who's exemplifies what a prayer life really looks like, is showing us that actually prayer is a spiritual discipline. That actually you need to have a fight against the weakness of your flesh to have a strong spiritual prayer life. I, 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 I can, not that I can experience what Jesus did in this moment, but I can kind of relate. I don't know if you guys ever gone road tripping with your friend before, or maybe your spouse, and you know, it's a two hour trip and you decide to leave late at night and you're just hoping that they can support you as you're driving through the night, tired. And, uh, and, and you know, I've, I've been there where, you know, Ruth and I leave somewhere pretty late and I'm exhausted, but I have to drive home and, and I look over there and she's asleep. I'm like, can you not wait with me one hour? I'm just kidding. And, uh, and but um, I remember this actually with this one moment when uh, my, my friend and I, we were doing ministry together and we were in Ohio. Um, I, we were helping uh, Randy Clark and uh, we were doing this uh, conference and I needed to be the next morning uh, in Pennsylvania. And so there was no flight that I could get that would make it there in time because the meeting would end at 10 and I needed to be there in the morning. And so, you know, being young and in your 20s, you have this great idea. We'll just drive through the night. How hard could that be, you know? And, 
And, uh, and so uh, this is, this is the, the plan we took. After the meeting, we packed up the car. It was actually do, uh, Dr. Randy Clark's car. Um, well, we'll get into that later. And then uh, I'm driving it, and, you know, it's, we just got done ministry, and, you know, I'm awake. It's like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm like, good to go. I'm like driving, and my buddy's with me, and, and uh, he uh, just immediately goes to sleep. And I'm like, man, this guy. I thought he would be, you know, like, this is crazy. But, you know, maybe he'll just sleep for a little bit. And then in like maybe two, two and a half hours, whatever, I'll, we'll switch. And then I can sleep and we'll make it. It's about a six to eight hour drive, depending how well you drive. Um, and so I'm, you know, two, uh, hour one, I'm doing great. Hour two, I'm like, okay, that, that endorphin that was going on is gone. And I'm like, I'm not exhausted, but I'm not really wanting to be awake, and, uh, and then two and a half hours uh, go by, another 30 minutes, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting tired, and then, you know, I am uh, really needing to, to stop, and so I pull over to the side of the road, and I ask my buddy to switch with me, and he wakes up, he's like, yep, yeah, of course, and he starts driving, and I'm like trying to fall asleep, and 20 minutes into it, he's like, dude, I can't do it. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, I just can't, I can't do it. I'm like, Come on, man, I need you to help me out here. Like, I can't not be there. And so he, uh, I mean, at least he was honest and he didn't get us an accident. So he gets into the pastor's seat. I literally am doing jumping jacks on the side of the road, try to get the blood going. I'm in the car, I'm doing all the tricks. I'm like, got the air going, got the windows down. I'm smacking myself in the face to stay awake. And, uh, and, 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 and we, get, we actually get to Pennsylvania, and it's like 20 minutes before my destination. It was amazing. And I'm behind this FedEx truck, this like tractor trailer FedEx truck, and I feel myself about to go. And it's one of those things where your eyes are open, and you see everything in front of you, but your brain is not engaged. And I'm like, I gotta get, so I'm trying to pull over. It's a construction site and I'm trying to get the rest stop. I'm literally 50 yards from the rest stop and for some reason, like my brain shuts down. I black out and uh, I hit a construction sign, one of those plastic ones. Thank God that's what I hit. And, uh, and I immediately woke up. All the slumber was gone. Uh, all the adrenaline came back and uh, Dr. Rain Clark's um, Lexus, his uh, uh, fender was gone. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, that was another call. Uh, but I, I could understand, you know, that, you know, this is like something that, that we, we need to actually position our hearts for. I want this to be so part of our culture that, I, that we need to be strong enough to be able to be spiritually disciplined, to build our prayer life to a place where we are making this a part of our culture, who we are in our personal life, in our family, and it will affect our church, our community, and it will affect this state. Jesus says the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And so, you know, I, I, um, there's a, a, a quote by um, oh, oh, Young Hee Cho, who's the pastor of a uh, Southern Korean church. It was over a million people at one point. And he, he prayed a long time and he says, if you can't get up and wake up and keep yourself awake to pray, then do something about it. Drink a cup of coffee, put water on your face, go for a walk but do something because you cannot afford to not pray. 
And I, and, I, and I find the irony in it that so many of his followers said, we'll follow you, Jesus, unto death. We'll be with you there. And, he, and, and if, if you were to ask me, would you die for Jesus? I, I, I hope to say, yeah, I would. But I can't pray one hour. It really, you see the dichotomy in that. But we need to realize that prayer is spiritual warfare and we are not just wrestling against flesh and blood. In uh, Ephesians 6.12, the apostle Paul writes this, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Prayer is spiritual warfare. There is not a person that you're against. There's not a party. There is not a system. There is not an organization that you're fighting. There is actually spiritual warfare going on when you're praying. And so uh, I, I love Ephesians 6. I mean, if Ephesians 6 goes on to talk about the armor of God. How many grew up in children's church where, you know, they had the plastic, silver, and gold spray-painted uh, armor of God? Come on. Any hands? Okay. All right. Yeah, and they would get like an awkward teenager to stand up in front of the children, and they'd be like, this is the helmet of salvation, and they put it all on, and, and, they, and they talk about all the cool things about the armor. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the shoes of the gospel of peace. These are all aspects of what it looks like to put on the armor of God, but too often we stop there. If you just read on, just the next verse, he says why you put on the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times. What do you do with the armor of God? You pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. You wanna change your Family, you want to change your personal life? You want to change the world? There's only so much you can do in the physical. It's actually the spiritual that makes the difference. I tell my staff, I told them this week, because we pray once a week together. I said, there's nothing more important that you can do in this job than pray. There is no task, no assignment, no thing that you can do that is more important than your prayer life. God can do so much more than you can do in the physical through prayer. God can change hearts, he can change minds, he can bring things together. You can try all you want in all your strength, in all your human wisdom, in all your earthly wisdom, but what he can do in the supernatural is far beyond what you can do. Martin Luther has this quote, it says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. See, prayer is a push against our physical weakness. That's why it's such a spiritual discipline. You, you don't pray when you feel like praying because too often you won't feel like praying because there's a physical and a spiritual resistance to prayer. That's why the enemy doesn't want you praying because he knows it's spiritual warfare. You find Jesus when he's praying in the desert, 40 days, praying and fasting. The enemy decides then to come against him with temptation. It is a spiritual fight. 
And I always question ourselves, you know, I always want, you know, we want miracles, we want deliverances, we want the glory of God to come here. And I know many, many people who move in these amazing things where they see healings, they see miracles, they see signs and wonders, and, and I've seen them myself, but I don't know any one of them, because I know them personally. If I don't, I, I don't know any one of those people that I know personally that move in those things, don't do it without a strong personal prayer life. They go deep with God. And we see the, hey, they pray, and in an instant, God heals that person, and you're like, wow, that's an amazing person. They have a great gifting. No, 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 no. They have a great gifting, but you should see what they do in their quiet time. Because in their prayer life, they're with the Lord interceding. They're with the Lord becoming intimate. And I just, you know, I just question myself when we rather see the instant rather than a commitment to discipline. So, so often we're, we're, we're addicted to the instant, and I love the instant. I love when God just, boom, does something. But we have to recognize that God is often moving behind the scenes way before we see that instant happen. We just get the privilege to see the instant. And so we need both. We need a commitment to discipline in our, our current prayer life because power it can be, it can, uh, comes through prayer. Mark 9, 29, Jesus' uh, 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 father has brought him his son who is uh, demonized. It throws him in the fire, tries to drown him. And, um, and, and so the, the, the father hears about all that God's doing through the disciples and Jesus. And so he brings the boy to the disciples and they're trying as hard as they can. Now they've casted demons out before, they've healed people before, but for some reason they cannot get this boy free. So they finally bring him to Jesus and Jesus instantly casts that demon out of the boy. And what is Jesus' response? He says to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. What an interesting response. Some translations say prayer and fasting. The earlier ones say just prayer, but fasting's good too. I'm not against that. Part of me finds that, you know, some people take this and say, well, that's because, you know, some demons are just really, really hard, and so you have to pray longer to get them out. I don't think Jesus is inferring that. I think it's like, no, this cannot be driven out but anything but prayer, meaning like you need to have a deep spiritual prayer life before you encounter something like this. We say we want breakthrough and deliverance, yet oftentimes we don't pray. I, I have this crazy dichotomy going on in my prayer life. I'm like, because I feel God doing something in our community. I, I read with you last week, if you, didn't, uh, if you weren't here and you missed it, uh, look it up because at the, at the end of it, we talked about the power of the remnant and God had just brought a remnant together at New Life City that I know he's going to do something amazing with and I'm just like, God, I want revival. I wanna see your glory come down. I wanna see that more than anything but oftentimes, I'm like, God, I want you to do this, but not yet. Wait, because we're not ready. Because too often he lights fires around all over the world, especially in America, and because the people are not ready, it falls through their hands. Remember, it's God who lights the fire at the altar in the temple, but it's the priests who steward the fire to make sure it keeps going. And I want us to be a people that when he lights the fire, we catch the fire, we sustain the fire, and we take it out into the world, and we spread the fire. 
but it cannot happen until we're a people that are ready building up our prayer life who are strong. And so you're like, Paul, why do you keep talking about this topic? And I recognize there are many fathers, spiritual fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, generals of the faith who have a great prayer life. And I'm not trying to knock any of your prayer lives, but I'm just saying we can do better. We can be stronger in this area. And it is essential in what God wants to do in your family, in your life, and in your community. And some of you have given up on praying for for even your lost friends and loved ones because you just haven't seen God do it yet. And you're like, man, I just, it's too emotional for me. And so you stop praying. Listen, the, the worst thing you can do for them is to stop praying. The best thing you could do for them is to continue praying. I, I mean, we have a testimony, uh, just a personal one. Uh, Ruth uh, has a wonderful uh, family. She has uh, brothers and sisters, a, a brother and, and, and three sisters and two sisters. Sorry, three total. I'm such a good husband. All right. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and, you know, her, she, was, she grew up in a, in a broken home. Her mom got saved uh, uh, when, when her younger brother, uh, when she was pregnant with her younger brother, and, and uh, her father was a strict atheist, just wasn't like a, a, a strong atheist. And, um, and so some of the children became Christians. Uh, one of them was a Christian at a younger age and then fell away, uh, an older sister. And then, and then her, old, her youngest brother was an atheist. And he was an amazing guy. I mean, he's like, I, I, I met his, her brother, Anthony, and he was fun to hang around with. He's actually the life of the party, was a kind person. He's the kind of person that would like be the most popular person in the room. But if you see someone who's like by themselves, he brings them into the conversation. And, um, but he was an atheist, and, uh, but a kind one. They're rare. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And so... Uh, and if you were to ask me, I mean, I wasn't a great man of faith when it came to that. I said, man, I could, I could never see this guy coming to Jesus, becoming saved. But he had a sister, Ruth, who would not give up on him. He actually, she, I remember her calling him and saying, uh, Anthony, I, don't, I, I, I know you, 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 you're not saved. I know you don't wanna serve the Lord. And I know you don't believe in God, but I'm your sister and I do. And I just want you to know that because I love you, I'm gonna ask you every once in a while, How's your relationship with God? Have you, have you been seeking him? Have you been reading about him? Because I'm praying for you, Anthony. And he, he's so kind. He's like, okay, uh, you could do that if you want. And so she did. And she would be praying for him and I would be uh, uh, praying for him and, and she would be talking to him and sending him books to read and asking him about them. And he was so kind. And then there was a, a moment in his life where a tragedy happened in his life. And he realized that his body is not as uh, indestructible as he had thought. And it started making him question, what about, what is going to happen to me after I die? And so he starts um, uh, uh, searching. He's, he's, he is truly searching. And, and all of a sudden... I come to New Zealand and I'm preaching at a bunch of churches and I see Anthony following me at these churches like he would sit in the back and at three different churches at three different nights and he came to each one and uh, at the altar call he would never come forward and we would have discussions afterwards. He says, Paul, I'm just not sure I can believe all this. It's just so hard to believe. And I said, I know. That's where faith comes in. Well, he challenges the Lord uh, one day. Uh, I'm this is months and months later, he challenges the Lord and says, all right, God, I want you, you know, prove to me that you're real. Like, have, make, you know, have this encounter. And, 
and uh, he's, he's driving in New Zealand, and that's where he lives, and he, um, he picks up a hitchhiker. Now, in New Zealand, hitchhiking is more common. It's not illegal. A lot of, like, people do a lot of hiking trails and whatnot, and then they'll catch a car back to their spot, and, and so, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Anthony picks up this hitchhiker. Well, this hitchhiker is a YWAMer. How many know what a YWAMer is? Yeah. Someone who's from Youth with a Mission, they're young people who go off in, to do ministry. Um, some, sometimes they're called youth without any money. Um, sometimes they're called young women after men because a lot of people get married in there. Um, but that's, I don't like that one as much. But um, it's really called Youth with a Mission. And so this, this YWAMer shares the gospel with Antony. And he just, it just strikes him. And he says, okay. So he goes that Sunday, purposely goes to a church on Sunday just to raise his hand and come forward and accepts Christ. And the first person he calls in his whole family is Ruth, who's living in Pennsylvania. She, he calls her on Skype and says, I want you to know because you're the one who hounded me. You're the one who kept praying for me that I gave my life to Jesus yesterday. And on his 30th birthday, on his 30th birthday, he invites all his friends and family, many of them who didn't know Jesus, to watch him get baptized. And then he went to ministry school for a year and then went back to the workplace to share the love of Christ in his workplace and to live as a godly man. And I think, wow, that's God. Don't give up on your loved ones. Don't give up on your friends. Right now, I wanna do something. I want you to close your eyes. I promise I won't steal your purse. Just close your eyes. Entertain me for a bit. And I want you to think of one person close to you that doesn't know Jesus. A family member, a friend, someone is close to you. Someone you know. Someone you might even think they would never accept God. And now I wanna pray for them right now as you're thinking of them. You agree with me in prayer. God, I thank you for this person that you've brought to our mind. And Lord, right now I ask that you would soften their heart, that you would make their heart tender towards you. God, that in a miraculous way, you would bring them to you. God, would you draw them by your spirit? Lord, would you send Christians to them who would constantly talk to them about your love. Waiters, waitresses, people in the streets. God, would you just have them encounter people and bring them to you? We thank you for their salvation in Jesus' name. From now on, you'll refer to this person as a pre-Christian because one day they will be. Don't give up on them. You know, it's so great. God, God does what I call God kisses. I about a year and a half later, I'm in Edmonton, Canada, and I'm doing a conference with Dr. Randy Clark, and there's about a thousand people there, which is a big conference for us. And um, there's a lot of YWAMers in the lobby because they're always broke. They can't really afford to pay registration, so we would comp them into the, uh, if there's room, we'd comp them into the conference because they're just so hungry for God and they just want more. And so. Um, but I saw them in the group, and so I, I went up to them, and I said, you know why I love YWAMers? And I tell them the story of the YWAMer who 
shared the gospel with my brother-in-law in New Zealand as he picked up this hitchhiker. And after I get done sharing the story, the guy next to me says, was his name Anthony? That's a God kiss right there. I got to meet and thank the, the man who followed God and, and shared the gospel with him. Took a picture with him, sent it to Anthony just to make sure. Was this the guy, you know, like, I always like to, to double check, but this is the power of prayer. It is spiritual warfare. There is a war going on for your lost friends and family, for their soul. And prayer, you praying for them makes the difference. Because God is doing things behind the scenes you could never even imagine or think of, and he will surprise you. So I believe prayer is a battle cry. I believe prayer is fighting for your family. I believe prayer is fighting for the lost. A.W. Tozer wrote this. He said, to desire revival and at the same time to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and walk another. We can't be a church without a personal prayer life. We just can't. And I wanna encourage you, fathers, spiritual leaders of your family, husbands, pray. It'll change you, it'll change your family. It'll be amazing, great, a breakthrough and blessing for your lives. Don't let the enemy rob you of the spiritual blessing that you can do and use by not praying. Fight it, fight the physical temptation to sleep because dads are good at sleeping. I can nap anywhere, anywhere. Fight the need to be distracted. Fight the need to stimulate your mind on something else. Meditate and pray. Think on the Lord. Talk to him. Get used to it. When you start out, it's often like a child talking for the first time. It sounds funny, but believe me, God thinks it's cute. I remember, was it, was it uh, Freya who used to say cupcakes instead of cupcakes? Oh, that was our friend, yeah. I don't even remember. I'm so bad at this. I'm not a great dad. I just, I'm around a lot, you know? But you know, it's cute. You know, you're like, you're not gonna correct them. You're like, cupcakes. Yeah, it's cupcakes, you know? Uh, or breakfast instead of breakfast. Was that one? Oh yeah, that was my older kids. But listen, the more you do it, the, the stronger you get in it. And the more your body will be spiritually disciplined to do it. Why don't you stand? I want you to know that I pray for every one of you. God will bring your faces to my mind and I pray for as many as I can. And it's not every week that I pray for every one of you, but every, I mean, every week I pray and every week God brings people to my mind. And this is what it's like to be a community and a church. And I want you to know that you're all called to be pastors and leaders of your family, of our community, I need you guys to be strong in your prayer life too. I need to be stronger in my prayer life. And watch how God does things in Albuquerque. People think Albuquerque is a lost cause. I was listening to some celebrity interview and they just happened to mention Albuquerque and they called it a really bad name. Like, why would anyone wanna be that? And I'm like, man, they just don't know what God's gonna do in this place. 
because it's a beautiful place. And he's got beautiful people here and there's gonna be a beautiful move of God. But we wanna be ready. We wanna be ones who can steward the fire when it comes. We wanna be ones who can share the gospel because we're strong in our own life. So let me pray for you as as a body and God, I just pray that you would continue to strengthen our prayer life, that we would recognize the spiritual implications of having an active prayer life, that as the Apostle Paul says, after putting on the whole armor of God, stand and pray. God, would you help us discipline our lives to have a spiritual life that prays to you? Lord, I pray that we would not give up on our lost friends and loved ones, but we would continue in the power of prayer that's available for you. Lord, may we fight the enemy to try to be distracted or detracted. And may we take up the battle cry as leaders of our family, as leaders of our community, to pray. Not against a person, a party, an organization, but against the spiritual authorities that are trying to tear down your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We wanna open up these altars. We have pastors and prayer ministers who'd love to pray with you. If you're going through something, we'll pray with you. So if we could just invite them up here, just come up and see them. Other than that, have an amazing day. Have a great Father's Day. And um, if you're around a father, you see them, thank them for being a dad because the world needs more dads, okay? All right, bless you guys. And uh, Stephen is in the back at the welcome table if you're visiting us or you just wanna connect with us more. Go and see Stephen at the welcome table. Bless you guys. Have a good time. Make sure you talk, communicate, hang out with one another. You're not going to get kicked out of here, so just hang out.